Matthew chapter 6. If you want to look at your Bible as I read this morning, Matthew 6 is the location of the verses I'm going to read. I've announced my subject as being proved me by fasting. So I'm going to teach some on fasting this morning, and I hope that it will be something that you can apply to your life and your experience that will enable you to dwell in the presence of God and spend more time drawing closer and closer to Him. I also know that as I bring this message to you today, I'll be talking about some things that are not very familiar to many of you. They're not familiar to you in your understanding. They won't be familiar to you in your experience. But I'll ask you to take the approach this morning, the listening approach to this message, that somewhere in this, there is a point or a key, a tag, that you can tie into to use in your spiritual life. This message this morning isn't about technicalities. It isn't about formalities. It isn't about practices and opportunities and options and choices. It's really about this question. Do you want to live more in the presence of God, closer to Him every day of your life? And many of you say yes. And many of you aren't sure. Because it takes a commitment to do that. I am not here to chastise you today in any way, shape, or form, and I will not do that. But I am here to help you have an understanding that perhaps that you will have at the end of this message that you don't not have now. And that's what I've prayed for will be the result of teaching and preaching to you this morning. Matthew chapter 6. This is verse 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking, and he says to those to whom he is talking, particularly to many of the relig religious leaders and Pharisees of his day. He says to them, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will invest your presence in this message this morning so that its impact of truth can touch our lives and move us in the direction of walking closer with you. In Jesus' name. Jesus is talking to people who practice fasting. He said, when you fast, not if you fast. And so these are people who knew what fasting was about. They just didn't know how to go about doing it. They thought that they were supposed to impress others by what they were doing to show how spiritual they were. 
And Jesus said, the reality is that if fasting is done for others, it has no impact. If fasting is done as unto the Lord, it has power. And that's the way any of our approach to serving God ought to be. We're not to do it to receive the praise of men. We do it to please. We do it to please God. That should be the purpose, and that should be the result of what we do. Start with the intent to please God, and wind up with the result that we have pleased Him in what we've done. So, in talking about fasting today, I'm going to talk about it at different levels that I hope will be applicable. You know, this biting of my tongue hasn't gone away yet. So I'm not on anything <laughs> when, when I can't quite get it right. That place that I almost bit past my tongue off kind of affects me a little bit. So I'm trying, I was trying to say, I think I was trying to say applicable. <laughs> I'll be glad when that gets healed and goes away. I know you will too. Fasting. This is, what, what, this is one of the things from the book God's Chosen Fast says. I, I took this as a direct quote from that book. It's an important book if you want to learn something about what I'm teaching today. You will get the details of fasting in that book that I cannot give you, if nothing else, than for the sake of time in this message this morning. This is a quote from that book. Fasting is important, more important than many of us have supposed it is not a major biblical doctrine, a foundation stone of the faith, or a panacea for every spiritual ill. Nevertheless, when exercised with a pure heart and the right motive, fasting may provide us with a key to unlock doors where other keys have failed. So fasting can work if it's done in the right way, particularly with a pure heart and the right motive. It isn't something we go to like we're paying a price to get something from God. And the more we suffer for what we're looking to receive from God, the more likely we are to receive it. That's a total misconception about the very nature of God. We are not earning anything if we choose to fast. We're experiencing something that is to teach us how to walk closer to God, how to make God more important in our lives than anything else that is in our lives. That's what we want to come to. And fasting draws us in that direction towards God when we properly exercise it. If we want to get closer to God, there are ways to do that. And fasting is one of the greatest ways. So let me say just a few things about fasting that I hope may clear up some ideas. Fasting is about abstaining from food. That's what fasting means. You can talk about a medical fast. You can talk about a social fast a certain period of time. You can talk about a spiritual fast. But it always is related to abstaining from food. So that's the really important thing about the fast. Usually not water. The human body can go a long time without food. It can only go about three days or a little bit more without water. But God's never going to ask you to fast and do without water for more than three days because your body's not constituted to do that. 
your body is able to exercise a lot more time in fasting as long as you take liquids into the body. So fasting is food, is abstaining from food, actually. It isn't, like, it isn't giving up other things. You can't fast television. <laughs> you, you can't fast Pepsis. You can't fast Mars bars or Snickers. You can give them up, but you can't fast them. Fasting is giving up food for a period of time designated and determined by your being led by the Lord. And I'm going to suggest to you, however, that giving up some of those things that I mentioned not fasting might not be a bad thing. It's just that you can't say, well, I'm not going to eat Snickers for the next 21 days because I'm fasting that candy bar. You're giving it up. This isn't Lent, folks. We're, we're, we don't give up things for Lent and, 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 and move on past that when the period of time is over. Fasting is abstaining from food. That's one thing we do need to understand. Now, I want to make it clear to you. Some of the things that you just, and you probably already decided this, that you're going to give up for your fast is not a bad thing. Some things that consume our time, take up, take up our energies, do not draw us closer to God. And the time that we use on many things that we do could be better spent seeking the presence of God in our lives. I say that about a lot of things. Giving up some things can benefit you. Maybe giving up the newspaper and magazines that you read regularly and spend a few hours on a week would be a good thing. Especially if some of the newspapers and the magazines I see when I go out through the grocery store. That could be a benefit. Not, not spending so much time on TV could be a benefit. Now, I think it's perfectly all right for you to watch Carolina basketball. But... Spending less time with TV. I just say that because I'm a great Carolina basketball fan. You know, I'm justifying myself. But I think it's a good thing to, to, to use less time before a television set where God can speak to you in ways that you're reading his word that you will never hear God say to you when you're watching Fox News. But you may hear God speak to you if you're reading his word and dwelling in the Holy Spirit. So less time before TV would be a good thing. It's not fasting, but it would be a good thing, perhaps. Things that are time-consuming, that, that take up your time, whatever it may be, that are unnecessary and are optional that you can decide not to do. There are a lot of things you can think of right now. Maybe even some good things that you do that you could do less of, do without even, and use that time for spiritual pursuits. When you think you don't have enough time in the day to read your Bible, you give up some other things and you can have time to read it. You think you don't have time to pray? Stop doing a few other things that you're spending too much time with. Time you spend on the telephone after you talk three hours a day on the telephone, it would be good for you to cut that down to an hour or a half hour maybe, maybe even 15 minutes. Maybe just don't do it one day and spend some of that time in prayer. One time I was a pastor, when I was a pastor of another church a long time ago, I asked people to give up newspapers. I said, the Lord has led me to give up newspapers, and I'm not going to read the newspapers. I didn't say I was never going to do it again. I just said I wasn't going to do it for that time. And God blessed me and helped me and used that time for spiritual growth in my life. 
so it happened a long time after I started reading the paper again that I made a comment about seeing something in the newspaper and somebody got upset with me because they thought that I had violated what I said. It was about eight months later. I didn't say I wasn't going to give it up for a lifetime. I just said I was going to do it for a short period of time. So you don't have to give up something forever to get the benefit of it, although once you find out you can do without it, you might rather not spend the money on that and give the money to the work of God and give it to missions to help the program of the Lord and spend that time seeking God. Now, all the time you're doing that, you can also choose a time to fast and abstain from food. This 21-day fast that we have doesn't mean that everybody's going to do without food for 21 days. Some people may do that. Others may do it a little bit differently. Some may, may fast two days at a time, come back and eat, fast another two days. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. But be led by the Lord in doing it. I spent time fasting in my life. I know what it is and I know what it can do. And I do believe, I strongly believe, that if we will properly, spiritually, with the right motive and led by God, put some time into fasting, we will grow spiritually as a result of that. I found that to be true. Now, I want to make sure I tell you this. Fasting it should never lead to asceticism. You know, we don't want people to fast and become anorexic. We're not looking to have people become emaciated because they fast and they think it's a spiritual thing. That borders on asceticism. Punishing the body does not make one grow spiritual. It doesn't even help one going in the direction of God. By fasting, we're not punishing the body. We're giving up something that's necessary to life to say to God in a visible and practical, clear way, God, my desire for you is greater than anything else in my life, including some things that are necessary for me to live, because I cannot live without you. I can live without food for 21 days or more, but I cannot live that long without God in my life walking with Him, hearing from Him, knowing Him, experiencing Him, because when I do, there's a gap I've allowed to occur in my life that I'll never be able to fill again. So what, what, we, what we want to do is draw near to God. So that's some things about what fasting is, what it can be. So why do we fast? What's the reason for fasting? I've already touched on this, but I want to go into it a little more deeply more deeply than I have. Fasting is for many different reasons. Sometimes, it, it, sometimes it's just a general fast. You fast just because you want to say to the Lord, you're more important to my life than anything else that I'm going to put extra time in seeking you. It doesn't last forever. It's for a period of time. But it can also be for desperate times. Sometimes when you face a situation and you're desperate before God, you're looking for an answer that you know, you know the impossibility of your desperate situation. And you know that only the touch of God, only the hand of God, only the power and anointing of God can change your situation and bring the result that you have to have. It's a desperate time, and you cannot make it beyond this point without an answer from God. You've got to hear from Him. I've described something that many of you have faced, and you've faced it more than one time. I have faced that, and all of us have or will face that kind of time. What happens in those desperate times 
is determined by what opportunity we give God to give us the answer that we need. The answer that only God can give. So whatever it is in your life, if it's a healing unit, if it's a if it's a life and death matter, if it's a if it's a, if it's a family spiritual life and death matter, whatever that desperate point is, nobody can tell you when you reach the point of desperation. You have to know that, and you will know that. I come to the place that I cannot go any further. I can't find the answer this way. I can't find the answer that way. I can't find the answer here. I can't find the answer there. I've got to have an answer, though, and that's the time of desperation because I know that answer's not going to come from this way or this way or this way or this way. That answer's going to come from this way, and I've got to reach God to have that answer come into my life. And you'll find that sometimes, and when you find that, that's the way you turn. That's where you look, not all around you for who can do something, but look to him who you know can do something. And that time often is addressed by fasting by those who know the path of God. When Esther was the queen, there was an edict by the king that said anyone who comes into his presence, anyone who comes into his presence without personal invitation will be killed. Not tried, but killed. There also came a time in the history of the Jews, and Esther was a Jew even though she was it was not known generally that she was Jewish. And the time came when a plot was hatched to destroy all the Jews in the kingdom of the Babylonians. But Esther and others had been taken as captives. And this heathen king made no exceptions. The only way if someone came into his presence without invitation that they would live would be if he stretched forth the golden scepter in his favor to receive that person. Mordecai was a leader of the Jews, and he heard about the plot that Haman had hatched to destroy all the Jews in the land. How many times has that been tried in history over and over and over again? Nobody's ever succeeded with it because God won't let it happen. In this case, the plot was moving forward for the Jews to be executed. Mordecai came to Esther, married to the king, one of his wives. And he said to Esther, you perhaps have come to the kingdom for such a time as this because we need you now. You're the only one who can help us. You have to go and make our case to the king and explain it to him. And she said, but Mordecai, they were, they have, they were related. Said, Mordecai, if I go to the king, I have no assurance that I'll even live to get to speak to him. If I walk into the room without his invitation, I'll be killed unless he immediately stretches forth that golden scepter to spare my life. So I have no way of knowing. I have not even heard from the king for 30 days, he said. So to go in there would be taking my life in my hands. And he said to her again, who knows but what you, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And she decided, perhaps that's true, she decided to take her life in her hands to try to spare her people. But this is what she said to Mordecai. She said, gather up all the Jews this is in the fourth chapter of the book of Esther. Gather up all the Jews and say to them that they must fast food and water for three days. I'll bring all of those in my company to the same position. We'll fast and pray without food or water for three days. Now, this was an absolute fast. Not always an absolute fast when we do it. Sometimes for a short period it may be. 
This was an absolute fast. And this is because every, all of the Jews of the land were to fast for the sparing of their lives because it was a desperate time. You recognize the desperation of that. You see almost the hopelessness of it. It looked like the Jews, under this attack by Haman, were going to be destroyed. But they fasted and prayed without food or water for three complete days. And then Esther took her life in her hands and walked into the throne room of the king without invitation. If he had not acted, she could have been immediately killed. But as soon as she walked into the throne room, she was already a favorite of the king. And God showed her favor by the king stretching forth his scepter and sparing her life. Now that was the result of fasting and prayer. In a desperate time, they sought God. They sought him by fasting and praying. And in that desperate time, God came to the rescue. Esther was able to present the case to the Jews and tell the king what was happening. And although the king didn't reverse the edict that was out to destroy the Jews, he gave them the authority, the weaponry, to defend themselves. So when those came against them who intended to attack them, they found not being docile people just sitting there waiting to be killed. They found people with the weapons of their day and strong enforcement in their hands so that they could defend themselves, and that they did. And the Jews were spared in that time. But it didn't happen just because the king gave them weapons. It didn't happen just because they were strong and in great faith, it happened because in a time of desperation, they turned to God in fasting and prayer at Esther's direction. And God came on the scene and gave them an answer that was a relief to their desperation and saved the race. I want to tell you, God knows your desperation. God knows the impossibility of your situation. And you look at something that's so tangled up and so knotted and so out of conformity that there's no way you can do anything about it. And I want to tell you, my friend, God has the answer to that desperate situation of yours. God knows exactly what to do. And you get yourself in the place where God can answer for you. And you will have an answer from God that says, this is the way I work. And this is the way I deliver. And this is the way I answer prayer. For specific, special, desperate needs. And sometimes, sometimes, not it doesn't have to be desperate. It can just be a need that you see and you really want the answer from God because of you, that you know there's nothing you can do about it. Carolyn's grandmother, her mother's mother, was a, was a great, great woman of prayer, a great Christian woman. I've told you several things about her. I could stand up here and preach a sermon on Granny and the things that she did for God and the things that she did for us in our early life while she was here. But this is one thing that she told me. I talked with her many times on many occasions, and uh, I didn't always agree, and she didn't always agree with me. We never had an argument. I'm just saying there's some things that I told her she ought to do, and she didn't do them. So therefore, she... <laughs> I, I, I told her she ought to stop sending her $5 a month to all these little places all around the country, these preachers, and say they're going to do this. This has been going on a long time, you know, this sending letters out and telling what people are going to do for you and how God's going to answer prayer for you and give you miracles for a dollar or five dollars. And now it's going to thousand dollars. Price has gone up on God's miracles. But, but she still did that. She told me why. But she said way back a long time ago, when she first got into Pentecost, she had left a, a formal church and, 
and had, and had actually gone to a little old church across the railroad, literally across the railroad track, she said, little Assemblies of God church. And the pastor of that church was the man who later on uh, dedicated Carolyn when she was born and then finally also dedicated Billy when he was born in Tarpon Free, Florida. So, so she said, I, 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 I went to see this woman who was very, very sick and it, that she couldn't afford medication and she was really in bad shape. It looked like she was, really she might die. And going home, I was really distressed by her situation and, and I just asked God to help her. And she said, and the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord told me, if I would fast three days and pray and then go over and pray for that woman, that he would heal her. And she said, I, I was new. And the good thing was she was so new in the Lord, she didn't know any better than just go ahead and believe it. You know? She hadn't heard enough to get her faith disturbed or distorted yet. So she said, so I knew, I, I was just sure God was speaking to me about doing that. And so I decided that I would do it. So she said, I fasted. I didn't know anything about it, but I fasted. I just didn't eat for three days. And I think she said she didn't eat or drink for three days. But that time passed, and then she said, so when that morning after the three days, I got up and I went to this lady's house. And I walked in and uh, asked her if I could pray for her. And she said, yes, of course. And she said, she was still bedridden. She said, I laid my hands on her and prayed for her. And God healed her instantly. And she stood up, praised God, walking around. And neither one of them knew a whole lot about this. All they knew and all she knew was that God had spoken to her. But I'm telling you just to say that there are times and situations where God will speak to you. And God will say to you, if you will do this, I will act. I will respond. I will answer. And sometimes it may include fasting. Frequently it will. But when you know you've heard from God, I'm not talking about a little whim or a little whisper or something that somebody put in you. I'm talking about when God speaks to you. When you know you've heard from God, and friend, you may never yet know, you may never heard from God knowing that you were hearing from Him yet. But there will come in your life, time in your life, in a time of need, perhaps a desperate need, perhaps a time of need for somebody else, there will come a time in your life when there is a need and you know this need can be met by God and probably by Him alone. And if you pray and you're open to God, He can speak to you and direct you on what to do. And that is oftentimes when the real effectiveness of fasting goes with prayer and produces God's answer. And I suggest to you, listen for that voice of God speaking to you. When you've got a situation of turmoil, you have a total issue of distress, you have something for which you cannot find the way through and come out with the right conclusion. You might be battling with the enemy in any kind of a level. It could be anything, but God knows the answer to everything. And there's nothing to which he cannot provide the solution if we seek God and let God do it through us. And so here we are, time to fast, time to seek. Carolyn's, Carolyn's, Carolyn's grandmother told me, what a, it, it almost surprised her that God did that. But she was elated, and, and I will tell you, and this will happen to us as well, it built her faith for the future. It built her faith. She became, she really became a great woman of faith, a great woman of God who believed God for many things. And I 
saw through her answers to prayer that I needed that God used her to bring about. All I believe because of that time early in her life when she listened to God and fasted three days and three days from food and water and went and prayed for this woman that God healed. So another reason that we decide to fast is primarily for the purpose of drawing near to God. When you feel in your life you have a time that you have to hear from God, it may not be about some overwhelming, impossible situation. It just may be a deep, longing desire within your heart, in your spirit, down in your very being to draw closer to God. I've had more times than one when I've experienced this. And the whole, the whole object of my life seemed to be, I have to draw closer to God. It was, in fact, that kind of a time that caused me to be here. I've, I've commented on this to you many times, how in a period of time, within the three years before I first stepped into Orange Park Assembly of God, church building, well, it wasn't Orange Park Assembly. We, we don't know what it was then. It had three or four different names in it. But it was the church over on Kingsley. That's where I'm talking about. So there was no sign outside. I just knew it was the church because they gave me the right address. So I went in there, and, and that, was, that was after two and a half to three years of, of intense prayer, knowing that I had to do something to get closer to God and get into where God wanted me to be. And, and without going into all the details, you know, I, I tell some of these things again, and I feel sometimes reluctant, but I also know that though half of you here have heard me tell something like this more than one time, probably another half of you have never heard me talk about it. So I, I, I'm not going into all the detail. I'll just tell you that that time of prayer included sometimes of fasting. It wasn't a long period of time like it. Some periods of my life I've three different times fasted for 30 days and seen the result of God. I couldn't do that in that time. But I did fast some days along with that, with that praying and seeking God. And it was a time of an overall time, just sometimes fasting, praying, giving up television to pray. And the Lord spoke to me, and I said I really didn't have time in the morning to pray. He said, you can turn off the TV and pray. And I did. I turned it off. And actually, I haven't turned it back on in the morning since then. I ought to turn it off more in the evenings to go along with the morning, you know, <laughs> like most of us should probably. So, so, uh, so I, I fasted and prayed and sought God. And, and God opened the door and, and led me. And sometimes the answer of God, when you're drawing near to him, just trying to draw near to him. I was not asking God to find me a church to be the pastor. I never asked God for anything like that. I was just praying for God to help me, put me where he could use me, get my life in order, and get my life in the place that I should be so that God could use me wherever he wanted to use me. And I had several places I thought would be a good place for God to use me. I, I had a little, I don't know that I wrote it down, but I had it etched in my mind, the good things that God could lead me to do. And they were good ideas. And I never mentioned the pastor of a, being the pastor of a church. And I surely never mentioned being the pastor of a church in Orange Park, Florida. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that I, 
obviously I don't think there was because I'm here, but but I, I never asked God for that. I was just asking God, and this is what I'm trying to talk to you about, about drawing near to Him. The Lord's Word says, if you'll draw near to me, God says, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you want to be closer to God, you can be. If you want to walk closer than you're walking with God right now, you can do that. Because God provides a way for us to do it. We start seeking His face. We approach Him. We put ourselves in the place that God can speak to us and use us. Because we become willing to do whatever it is that God wants us to do. And that's where I came to in my life in a time of fasting and prayer. But it wasn't a time of lengthy fasting. It was just that occasionally I would fast. And when I first came to here, the very first days of coming here, I would say within the first month of being in Orange Park, I felt like the Lord wanted me to fast one day a week. So I started fasting on Wednesday. I'm not talking about this to let you know that I do great things. God knows I feel like in my heart I, what I do is so minimal as to what God would have me do in and I could do it so minimal, I ought to be talking about it. I'm saying something that I hope will be an encouragement in way of instruction for all of us. I felt like the Lord wanted me to fast one day a week, so I started fasting on Wednesdays. And I've done that all the time of being here. And there's some times that I look at that and I say, well, you know, I, if, this, this is just a, if this just becomes a routine and I just do this routinely, this is not what it's supposed to be. I need to spend time on that Wednesday praying and seeking God to make sure that the fasting is accompanied by that search for the closeness of the presence and the power of God. There are many different ways we can use fasting to draw close to God, is what I'm telling you. And we can use other means that fit with, that are a good, perfect fit with fasting to draw close to God, reading the Bible more, going into His Word, spending time in prayer, opening ourselves to hear from God, surrendering ourselves to the way and will and direction of God that that He wants to lead us. All of that can come about as drawing closer to God. And we draw close to God by choice. We draw close to God by our desire and by our commitment to do it. So if you say, you say, "Well, well, Pastor, I just can't do that in my life because I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. There will always be something, something relevant, something with value, something worthwhile that you can do instead of deeply seeking God that is not, those things are not bad things to do. But there's also a place that you come to when you weigh the value of one thing against another. One time-consuming act against another time-consuming act. And you say, it is important for me to do this. It's something that I need to do. But it's also something that isn't essential. And my family is not going to fall apart. And the earth isn't going to crack. And I'm not going to be fired from my job if I don't do this. And I spend an extra few minutes of time with God. And when you decide that that value is less than the value of your turning to seek the face of God, and you spend that time, instead of doing something else that may have seemed worthwhile, now you're doing something that you know is worthwhile, by faith you know it, seeking God to draw close to Him. You will find the hand of God reaching out and drawing on you and bringing you closer and closer and closer to Him and revealing the purpose and the will of God for you in your life like you have never known or experienced it before. 
So if we want to draw near to God, if we want to draw near to God, one of the great ways to do it is, is using the instrument of faith. I'm going to give you one more scripture, a scripture I have loved for many years. It's Psalm chapter 42, verse 1. And there the scripture says, As the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. The picture is of a deer romping through the woods, looking for water to sustain it. And the deer, sniffing and smelling, is trying to find that stream of water from which he can drink. And the psalmist says, in the way that the deer is thirsty and searching for water, looking everywhere to find water to sustain himself. In the way that the deer does that, the psalmist says, I long for and desire you. Like a great thirst, I need it satisfied by the water of the Holy Spirit. Feeling that lack in my life, I'm trying to find cool water. And feeling that lack in your spiritual life, you're trying to find God himself, his presence, to become to you more than food, more than water, more than anything else in life, more than the, even the primary elements of life. There are times to say no to those things as important, as valuable, and yes, and even as necessary for life as they are. To put them on the backside, put God at the front side, and say, I am going to, above all else, I'm going to seek you, Lord. It won't be this way all the time, but for this time, for this slice of time, for this time of opportunity, for this time of blessing that I need, I'm going to put everything else aside. If it's food and water and whatever else it is, I'm going to put everything else aside for this time. For this moment, for this occasion, and I'm going to seek your face. And when you do that, my friends, I promise you, I promise you, God's Word says you will receive the reward of the presence and the power and the victory and the glory of God in your life. It's impossible for you not to have it when you follow the plan and the way of God. There's so much. There's so much every one of us to receive. And we have to do it by making our commitment to seek God, to reach out to Him and let Him hear our cry so that He can respond and give us His answer. Thank you, please. While every head's bowed, I'm just going to ask you for